If you don't have one of the bookmarks that my wife made, you know, get one. Um, they're $25. I'm just kidding. But um, on the front of it, it has the order of life. On the back of it, it has the faith of some of our faith confessions that we say every Sunday. So that's exciting. And so we are in a series, and I, I encourage you to mute your cell phones, duct tape your babies, and hold your bladder, because it's going to be 30 minutes of fun. Um, we're in a series called The Order of Life, and The Order of Life, I, I, I'm going to let you help me. I, actually, I'm going to quiz you all, okay? Negative words produce negative what? Thoughts. Negative actions produce negative habits. Godly feelings produce godly Y'all got quiet on that one. It's because I walked in front of it. Isn't that why? <laughs> okay. God's word produces godly. Produces godly. Produces godly. Produces godly. Produces godly. Produces godly. And produces God's for your life. That's right. And the same thing is true with negative words. Everything starts with words. Now, um, it, at the beginning of each sermon, I'm kind of giving you a little bit of a nugget of wisdom on this. What I want to show you just real quick before we start today is I want to show you grace. Okay, I want to show you grace. Um, do you see the, 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 the thoughts, the feelings, and the beliefs? You see that is? I want you to see grace in this. It started with God's word. It started, every, your destiny started with God's word. The universe started with the words of God. Okay. When you believe that, he saved your soul, your heart, your mind, your will, and your emotions. He saved your soul. And because you believed and he changed you, you naturally do things that line up with his will for your life. What religious people and works-oriented people do, they always start the order of life with actions. Well, if I can do the right thing, if I can do it enough, if I, can, if, I can, if I can pray three times a day, if I can please God um, you know, five times a week, if I can give, whatever, whatever, if I can do it enough times, I'll become a good person. People will look at my cow, oh, they're a good person, and because of that, I'm going to get to go to heaven and hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's works. Work starts with you and what you can do and how many times you can do it and who you are and how you can get to heaven. Now, if you think there's anything good you can do to get here... You are the most arrogant, prideful person I've ever met. Because we serve a perfect God who created the universe. And you think that you are good enough for this perfect God to look in your direction and let you live with him for eternity? You're that good of a person? I want to shake your hand. I want to meet. I want to get your autograph. That's amazing. Uh, John 6, 28, they said, Jesus, what's the works of God? He said this, the work of God is to believe. 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 Everybody say believe. believe. I believed. He changed me and opened up a way for me to get to heaven because I believed him. Uh, let me show you another scripture, Romans 8, 15. Because you got saved, the Spirit of God adopted you, and now you can call God Abba Father or Daddy. Let me ask you this. Are you a child of God because of anything you did? No. You're a child of God because you believed. Because you believe you're a child of God. If you think you can do something to become a child of God, you got it backwards. You believe and become a child of God. And because you believe, you can do the good works that he called you to do because you believe. You be first, then you do. You don't do and then be. You can't do enough to become a child of God, to belong to the family. The only, the only, the only, thing, the only thing you can do is believe. 
In fact, the goal for every single sermon you will ever hear from this pulpit, all I want you to do is believe. I, well, I got to change this and fix this, and I got to be a better person. I got no, you don't got to do that. You got to believe. And the more you believe, not in your head, but the more you believe in your heart, you'll naturally do the things God's calling you to do. That's grace. We good? You all look confused, but that's okay. Whatever. Lonnie's got it. He is a doctor of theology, but that's okay. <laughs> okay. So today in part four, I want to talk to you about beliefs. Beliefs. Um, where's the title slide? Oh, uh, we forgot the title? You've been doing this for four years and you forgot the title slide one time? It's okay. Four years, that's 200 sermons. Okay, so the title of the sermon for your notes is Believe. Let me tell you about belief. Um, I have some synonyms that are on your papers for you. Choices and agreements. So you can understand the context of the sermon. Beliefs are choices, agreements, things we've made on the inside. Um, life has a way, the enemy has a way of sneaking in and trying to get you to make an agreement with him based on what someone spoke into your life negatively or some negative event or something happened to you. And when you make these beliefs or these agreements or these choices, they steer the direction for your life. Now, if you believe, if you choose, if you have a, an agreement with God and His Word, then you're golden. But if you agree with Satan on something, and you don't even know you do this, but if you've done this, then you're going in the wrong direction. Let me give you some examples, okay? Um, there was this girl I read about when she was in third grade. She was getting off the bus, and before she did, her friends were putting their hands around each other's wrists to see how big they were going to be when they got older. Just something kids were doing. And they put the hand around the little girl's wrist, and they said, oh, you're going to be big when you get older because, you know, you have a big wrist. And so no big deal. That's what kids do. They're in third grade. She gets off the bus, and she put a belief in her head that if I have big wrists, there's something wrong with me. And so she made an agreement with the enemy, and that was this, I will never have big wrists. She went into high school and battled anorexia for many years, and when she was 21 years old, she starved herself to death. All because she made an agreement that didn't line up with God's word. Because she believed something that didn't come out of the mouth of God. Let me give you another one. If you were raised in a home that was very poor, y'all were going from one place to the next, couldn't pay rent, things were happening, whatever it was, you might have made an agreement and that is this, I will never be poor. I'll never be poor. No matter what, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll never be poor. If you make that agreement, understand that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says God wants to prosper you to the point where you can pay your bills and be a giver and bless others. But if your mindset is I'm not going to be poor, and I've known people like this, they spend their whole life seeking after money. Money's more important than God. Money's more important than their family. Money's more important than their integrity. They will screw over their best friend for $10 because they made a vow, I'll never be poor. Never. See, God's word would have said this. Your parents give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm sure there's other areas they were good parents in. In this area, you need to forgive them. Let it go, forgive, and just obey God financially and let God take the burden of your finances off of you. But they didn't make that vow. The vow was, I'll never be poor. Um, I know a guy who, when he was in middle school, he got jumped by three other kids who were the opposite color skin of him. And that day he made a vow, I'll never let someone with that color skin ever hurt me, ever take advantage of me again. To this day, he's in his 50s, and he's the most racist man I've ever met. Because of one event that took place with three kids in middle school. And this happens to every one of us. All through childhood, things happen. Life occurs. Parents get a divorce. It's your fault. You take this burden on. Um, kids don't like me because I don't look a certain way. You take that burden on. 
Um, um, you know, uh, maybe you were the child in the house that always brought peace. Parents are fighting or there's always yelling or cussing and you've made a vow. It's my job to bring peace to the family. So you turn into a people pleaser your whole life. You'll, do, you'll let people walk all over you just to make sure there's no fighting. And these things happen. In fact, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine recently and, and they, they, they were wondering about one child not getting enough attention because of another child and they thought oh no what's going to happen or is there going to be a complex is something going to is you know what's going to are they going to think we don't love them as much and I said listen the enemy will use the paint color on the walls to try to get your child to make an agreement with him he'll do whatever it takes and some of you in here you have this right now as I'm talking you have this little fear that jumps in you and you think what have I done to my children what have I said what's happened and what 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 agreements have they made with Satan how's their life going to change listen Um, No matter how good or bad of a parent you are, no matter how perfect of a parent you think you are, uh, the enemy will find whatever he can find to get them to to believe a lie. That's why our only goal as parents, our number one top priority is this. God's word is the final authority. I may hurt you, I may do you wrong, but 20 years from now, whenever this starts coming up in your marriage or coming up in your life or job or relationships or finances, remember, God's word is the final authority. Daddy makes mistakes, mommy makes mistakes. God's word is the final authority. The world is cruel, people are mean, but God's word is the final authority. But your child needs to always grow up knowing, here's how I know if I'm believing a lie. Am I believing what God's word says or something else? Because if it's anything else, it's a lie. Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together unless they've agreed with each other? Here's what this is basically saying. When you make an agreement, you are walking with that lie everywhere you go. It's in every area of your life. If you believe the wrong thing, it follows you through life. That's why we have to get free of these wrong beliefs. Our goal is to walk with Jesus everywhere we go. How do you know if you've believed a lie? How do you know if there's something that's occurred in your life? A parent that, 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 that gave you to live with somebody else. Um, not enough money growing up. Someone on the, on the playground said, you know, you got big ears. And now you're, you know, you're, you're turning in from, you know, when Michael Jackson, he looked one. If you watch the Michael Jackson documentaries or read about it, you know, his dad, uh, they say his dad always made fun of him and talked about his looks. And so he spent years going through this plastic surgery. Why? Because there was something wrong on the inside he needed to deal with. There was nothing wrong on the outside. It was the inside. And so how do you know if you've believed a lie? Here's how you know if you've believed a lie. If mediocrity has become the norm in any area of your life, you've believed a lie. Let me give you some examples. If you can cuss at your spouse and not feel incredibly bad and so apologetic before you go to bed that night, you've believed a lie. I know couples that come and they, they, when they get in fights, they cuss at each other. Do you know how bad I would feel if I cussed him? I, 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 oh, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I said that. I don't know what came up. Please, I'll, I'll never do it again. I'm sorry. If you can cuss at your spouse and just, and just go to bed like it's nothing, you believed a lie because you're not believing what God's word says about relationships. If um, if 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 hereditary disease does not shock you, you believed a lie. Well, my dad had it. My granddad had it. So. The doctors told me I had it. I guess I'm going to have to live with it like them. No, 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 no. You're believing the wrong report. That report didn't come from God's Word, did it? Well, I've Googled it, and you know, you gotta, if it's on the Internet, you've got to believe it, you know? Really? <laughs> if it's on the Internet that was just invented recently, you've got to believe it. But the Bible that was written by the only, you know, the, the spirit of the world, that, you can't believe that. Okay, so hereditary disease. You have to understand, it didn't come from God. 
So you, you, don't, you don't believe it. There used to be a song we'd sing in the 90s where the worship leader would sing out, whose report will you believe? And the whole congregation would yell back, we shall believe the report of the Lord. Whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. Whose report will you believe? The report of the Lord. So you have to ask, what, li- what area is there mediocrity in my life? Because I believe something that's not from God. And I'm not talking about up in your head. I'm talking about in your heart. That's what I'm, We've already dealt with thoughts. I'm talking about your heart today, what you really believe. Matthew 9, 27, these blind men had shouted to Jesus and said, Heal us, heal us, Jesus. And Jesus asked them a very interesting question. Do you believe that I can do this? Do you believe I can do this? And they said, of course we believe. And in verse 29, here's what Jesus said. Become what you believe. Your future is based on what you believe. Don't ever verbalize, don't ever take ownership of something that does not belong to you. Don't ever say, my arthritis is kicking in. Don't ever say that. You are calling it in. You're making a declaration saying, well, this is just normal, my arthritis. No, my anxiety is not your anxiety. It does not belong to you. It does, you should not agree with that. That's not yours anymore. You know, my problems, my poverty, my this, this it's not yours. You're, you're a stranger in a foreign land. That, that does not belong to you. It's not, it was never supposed to connect to you. So there's so many different lies I could have gone over with you today. But I have three main points I want to give you. And with each point, we're going to kind of work our way through a lie to bring healing. Um, but you have to understand the goal in life is simply to believe what God said. That's our goal. And and if you believe in your head, that's one thing. But when you believe in your heart, what he really says about healing, things change. You walk a different way. You talk a different way. When you really believe what he says about worship, when you really believe it, I mean, when you really believe what he says about worship, you can't wait to lift your hands when the music starts. You just can't wait because you really believe what he says. See, if you, don't, if you believe that what you want to do makes you happier than what God did, then you'll always do what you want to do. If you believe that what you think is better, then you'll always do what you think. We, our goal as believers is to believe. what We're called believers. We should believe, right? Okay, so three points. Number one is this. What I believe about my God. What I believe about my God. The only way Satan can get you to sin is to believe a lie. That's the only way. Only way. So Satan slithers in the garden in Genesis 3, and the woman said to God, because uh, Satan said, you know, did God say you can't eat the fruit? And here's what the woman said in verse 3. Uh, God said this, we can't eat the tree that's in the middle of the garden or we'll die. The serpent said to the woman, you shall not die. So here's what, the ser- here's what Satan did. Satan took what God said, and his goal was simply for Eve to believe that God was lying. That, that, that Satan knew best. And, the way she, and if you read the scripture, it actually says, after Satan spoke to her, she looked at the fruit and saw and thought about how good it looked. There's thoughts. And then she began to feel like this will actually make me better. You know, God was lying. Satan's telling the truth. So she believed it. She ate it, acted on it. And if you read the scripture, it produced fear and they hid from God. Okay, so here's the point I want to make. God's desire was for us to simply live based on what he says, a relationship with him, and not based on the knowledge of good and evil. It was never his intention for us to go through life believing what's right and what's wrong. Is it right for me to do this? Is it wrong for me to do this? His goal was for us to simply have a relationship with him and that be our life. 
Let me give you an example. My wife is a vegan, which means she doesn't enjoy her life. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She's a vegan, okay? So, because she's a vegan, true or false, on Valentine's Day, I said, honey, I love you. You're great. You're beautiful. I'd like to take you to that barbecue place that I go to out in Conway for Valentine's Day. True or false? False. Actually, it was true. But anyway, false. The reason that's false is because I know my wife. In fact, I didn't even have to text her and say, would you like to go to get barbecue? You know, we could go. What, what time's good for you? Is the barbecue place okay? I didn't have to ask. I didn't have to contemplate and figure it out and think what would she want. I know her because I have a relationship with her and I've heard what she said. And so I know who she is. So I did not have to wonder if she wants to go get barbecue because I know her. That's how it should be with us and God. We think, well, what's right? What's wrong? What's going to be best? No, no. It's simply based on a relationship. All the what's right, what's wrong stuff is all this actions and this religious thing. If you'll get to know his word and get to know him, it'll just naturally come into your relationship. That was the goal. The goal was for us to believe him. In fact, the goal you have for your children is for them to believe what you say. When you tell your child, don't do drugs, why do you not want them to do drugs? Well, you know that marijuana leads to something else heavier, always, to pills. Pills lead to crack or whatever. And then they'll end up with, you know, missing their teeth and in drug rehabs and life or death and jail. You don't want them to find out if you're telling the truth. You want them to believe you. You don't want them to... You know, people say that life's a great teacher. Life's a horrible teacher. Faith is a great teacher. You don't want life to teach them. Life hurts. But you know, here's the thing. Sooner or later, everyone will know if God's telling the truth or not. Everyone's going to know sooner. The goal is we want to find out sooner rather than later. You don't want your children to find out if you're telling the truth. You don't want them to try it and see what happens. You want them to believe that you know what's best and this will destroy their life. Right? We're all on the same page. Okay. Let me show you how important it is to believe. John 3.16. God loved the world so much He gave His Son so whoever believes will have eternal life. You see that scripture? Believe for eternal life. Now watch it. It goes on to say in verse 18, whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is already condemned. I want to put those two scriptures in an in a, in a easy to understand perspective for you. Okay? Here's what these two scriptures are telling us. When we believe, we receive eternal life. When we continue to believe, we get abundant life where we're at right now. Not when you find out if God, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to give and I'm not going to serve and I'm not going to, and let's see what happens in life and we'll find out who's right or wrong. God's always right. And our only goal is to believe what he says. That's my only goal for you today is to believe what the word says. John 8, 32, you'll know the truth. Now, if this is the truth, I have a very important philosophical question for you this is the truth right here's what it never changes is the and truth never changes it came directly from god's mouth and everything he speaks is truth so if this sets you free if the truth lets you free to be who god made you to be if the truth makes you free to give and not worry if the truth makes you free to to enjoy worshiping who cares what people think about you if you if the truth lets you be free to be a child of god if that's what the truth does, let me ask you a question. What does a lie do to you? If the truth is actually what makes you free, 
What does believing a lie do to you? Imagine the bondage that a lie can... Some of you don't even know why you do some of the things you do. Listen, it took me years of inner healing to go through some lies that I believed. But you got to go back and say, at what point did I start believing a lie? Believing that I wasn't good enough if these people didn't accept me. Believing that I wasn't pretty enough unless the world said I was. At what point did I believe that I could do better with my finances than God can do? Where did I, where did I start believing a lie? Number two is this. What I believe about myself. What I believe about myself. Um, my grandma and granddad, uh, before they passed away just a few years ago, they, were, they died millionaires. They were millionaires. One of the reasons is... Because um, they were so stinking cheap. I mean, cheap, cheaper than cheap. You can't even imagine. I mean, my grandma would have holes in her socks. And I'm like, Grandma, get, get some socks. She said, well, do you have a pair of socks I can have? I'm like, yeah, Grandma, but, you know, <laughs> I wear a size 11 shoe. You know, you're a little woman. She'd wear my socks. That's how cheap she was, okay? So cheap. And she invested in Coca-Cola stock whenever it first came out. But anyway, other than that, she was cheap, okay? <laughs> but <laughs> when she worked at Piggly Wiggly in Georgetown... Um, and my grandma's always been a great cook. Even when I was in high school, my friends, we'd drive to Georgetown just to get a meal from her because she was such a good, such a good cook. And so one of the she was cheap uh, when she was at, at Piggly Wiggly, they had a section in Piggly Wiggly called the damaged goods section. And it would be canned goods that had a dent in it or some kind of discoloration or the label was ripped. You know, they'd have to write with a permanent marker what it was on the can. And they were half price. So she always bought the damaged goods, saved her money. They couldn't sell it at full price because there was an imperfection. Something wrong with the outside, something had happened to it. The interesting thing is, whenever she got at home and began to cook, when she opened up the can, the contents were just as good, just as fresh, just as tasty as the cans that were not damaged. The outside didn't change the inside. The inside was fine, totally fine. In life, we cannot go and live and have relationships and and be without getting damaged on the outside. Your parents go through a divorce, you get damaged. You make a huge mistake, you get damaged. Something bad happens at work, you get fired from a great job, damaged. You have an addiction, damaged. Just because the outside says damaged goods doesn't mean the inside has to have that kind of content. We have to learn as adults, no matter what's happened to us, and every one of us have had this happen, we have to learn to rip off those labels that say damaged good and take a label that says child of the Most High God and attach it to ourselves everywhere we go. The goal in life is not to avoid getting damaged, avoid getting hurt, avoid getting offended, avoid making a mistake. That's not the goal. The goal is to always have the right label. I'm a child of the Most High God, and I've done nothing to deserve it. All I did was believe what He said, and I'm a child of... That's it. Man, if we could actually really believe that, if you really believed it, it would change everything in your life. We are either who people say we are, Or we are who God says we are, but we can't be both. You can spend your life trying to make the outside look good. You do all this work to make sure that on Facebook you look good and on the job you look good and your friends see you. But this is who you really are. 
And who you really are is based on what you really believe on the inside. Um, I'll tell you a lie that took a lot of inner healing for me to get through. But um, I spent years fighting the call of God on my life. And when I was in my early 20s, uh, I finally surrendered my life. Jesus saved me. I believed he saved me in my bedroom. Reverend Randall was there, my, my bishop. And, and after he saved me, at some point, I felt like God wanted me to be a preacher. And so, you know, I had this desire. I, had, I knew this call was on my life. And so I went to the one person who I wanted more than anything to approve of me and help me. And I could have had the billions of people on planet Earth tell me I was horrible. But as long as this one person approved of me, I'd be golden, right? So I went to this one person, and here's what they said. They said three things to me in this five-minute conversation. They said, number one, you're going to fail miserably. Number two, nobody wants to hear anything you have to say. And number three, pastoring is a miserable career. Now, in that time, in that day, I made some horrible agreements. Horrible agreements. I believed lies. The godly thing would have been to do what God's word says. You know what? You're entitled to your opinion. Appreciate it. You know, thanks, but no thanks. And then forgive. Let go. Forgive. Don't hold it on the inside. But I made agreements. Now, these agreements are not good. Okay, they're not good. I'll explain why they're not good. Number one, I made this agreement. I will succeed. Here's why that's a horrible agreement. It all puts the pressure on me. I will succeed. I, me. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll study 60 hours a week. I'll take classes. I will, I will, I will. I, I, John Paul, me, not God, me. I'm going to succeed. I'm going to prove to this person I'm going to succeed. Number two, I made this um, agreement. I will make sure people like me. He said people won't like me. I'll make sure they like me. What type of person always has to make sure people like them? A people pleaser. And do you know that the most horrible um, quality a pastor can have is a people pleaser, which brought me to point number three. Uh, being miserable is normal because I'm miserable, but I'm going to be a pastor anyway. <laughs> miserable. I used to fantasize, fantasize about cutting grass for a living. I would fantasize about smoking it too. But I would fantasize about cutting grass. I'm just kidding. I'd fantasize about not answering my phone and being outside doing yard work and landscaping because I love doing stuff like that. I would have these fantasies. But I thought, nope, pastoring's a miserable job. I got to do it. Got to do it. Do you know 10 years of pastoring was the worst 10 years of my life? Worst 10 years. The first 10 years were horrible because it was all about me. I didn't rely on God. It was all my strength, my knowledge, my talent, my gifts. It wasn't God. It was all me. And that's a horrible way to pastor. Number two, I wanted to make sure everyone liked me. So if they complained, I fixed it. If they had a problem, I took care of it. If they wanted me to change my haircut, I'd do it. Wanted me to change my suit, I'd do it. Whatever they wanted, I would do it. And then number three, I lived a horrible, it was just a horrible life, horrible life. I finally broke free of that, thank God, about four-something years ago. Everything changed in my life. And I realized, you know what, my goal is to obey God. And no matter what success or failure looks like, if I'm obeying Him, I'm good. I'm good. Whether five people approve of me or five million approve of me, if I'm doing what God wants, I'm good. Number two is this. I don't care if you complain or if you get offended or what you think. I dare you to complain at this church. We will send you to the Methodist church so quickly. And if you have something to say about my hair, we're going to send you to the Catholic church. But you know what people pleasers attract? They attract people that are always getting offended. Because people that get offended want someone to take care of their emotions. And so they run to people pleasers who take care of their emotions. Imagine how horrible and miserable I was. 
But you know what? When I broke free of that, I'm telling you, pastoring is the greatest job in the world. And I would never pick another church than this church and these people ever. You know why? I have people now that know everything about me and they love me anyway. If your worth comes from people rather than God, you've believed a lie. If you wake up every day and you want so bad to get the approval of the people, social media people, work, if that's where your approval comes from, you've believed a lie deep on the inside. Galatians 1.10 says, am I trying to please people or God? If my goal was popularity, I wouldn't even have been a servant of Christ. Amen. That's not my goal, popularity. My goal is to obey God, obey God. Number three is this. What I believe about my circumstances what I believe about my circumstances. Moses was in the wilderness leading two million people toward the promised land. And the people began to complain because they did not have any vegetables to eat. I'm just kidding. That was a lie. Because they didn't have any meat, honey. They needed meat. So in Numbers 11:20, God said, I will give them broccoli every day. I'll give them meat. Barbecue every day for a whole month. And then Moses did what you and I do. Moses Googled on the internet. How can this happen? Moses got the doctor's report, looked it up online, and the doctor's report and online said that 99 out of 100 people die of this disease. Moses looked it up. He called his friends and said, listen, I put the numbers together. I've ran it. I got the experts involved. Here's what they all say. Here's their report. And now Moses, God, I don't know if you're, you know, looking at what's going on down here, but I have two million stinking people that I'm leading to the promised land, and there's no meat for them to eat. I've ran the numbers, so tell me, God, even if we butchered everything we had, even if we caught all the fish in the sea, would that even be enough? God, have you seen my circumstances? Have you seen what I'm going through down here? Do you know what's going on in the economy, the gas prices? My boss doesn't like me. God, are you aware of my situation? And in verse 23, God said, Moses, when did I become weak? And I love this part. I can do anything. Watch and you'll see my words come true. Verse 31, a wind from the Lord blew quails in three feet above the ground. And there were some carrots and some broccoli and cauliflower as well, I'm sure. <laughs> All day and night, the people gathered quails. Listen, you know what I love about this? God didn't even speak. He just blew in their direction and everything changed. The mouth of God just... And like that, their whole life got turned upside down. What do you believe about your circumstances? Either God, is, either God supersedes your circumstances or He doesn't. It's totally up to you. Totally up to you. Uh, I want to close with this story. A young lady named Vanita Flowers, when she was nine years old, her dream was to compete in the Olympics. That's all she wanted, just to compete in the Olympics. By 22 years old, she was a world-class runner. So she tried out for the 100-meter dash, and she missed making the team by less than one second. Instead of giving up, she trained for four more years. She got up early every single day for four years, lifted weights. She had a very, um, a very tight diet she had to stick to. 
Uh, she, had to, she had to run every single day, mile after mile after mile. In the year 2000, she was 26 years old, and she tried out for the long jump, and she still didn't make it. 17 years of running and jumping down the drain. Every voice in the world told her she must not have heard God right. This must not be his plan for her life. What's she going to do? One day her husband saw a sign in the gym. While he was working out, the sign up on the wall said this. Continue your Olympic dream by trying out for the bobsled team. She had no idea what a bobsled was. But the sign said there's two requirements. You have to be a good sprinter and a good long jumper. The two things she worked on for more than 17 years. She didn't know what a bobsled was, but she showed up. Long story short, she made the team, and in 2002, she became the first African-American woman to win a gold medal in the Winter Olympics. All because she continued to believe. Listen, Psalms 27, 13 says, What would have become of me had I not believed that I would see the goodness of God? What would, where would I be? If I didn't believe that God superseded my circumstances. Where would I be if I didn't believe that God was the source for every successful thing in my life? Where would I be if I didn't believe that I can't even breathe, much less talk a sermon, without the Holy Spirit himself allowing me to take every single breath that I take? Where would I be if I did not believe that God's word says, because of what Jesus did, I can go to heaven when I die. Where would I be if I didn't believe these things? Where are you going to be if you don't believe these things? Here's what I want to do. I want to close with this. Um, I don't have time to read it because time's getting away from me. But in Numbers 30, and you can read it later, it's on your handout. In Numbers 30, 1 through 5, and in Psalms 133, the two scriptures, they say two different things. They, 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 they kind of come together. They say that if you have ever made an agreement, if you've ever believed a lie, it can be broken by somebody's words who has spiritual authority over your life. A parent, a coach, a teacher, or a pastor. In fact, it even says the anointing from that authority figure can flow into your life simply by the power of words. So what I want to do is, I wrote a prayer for you. Just a little 30 second prayer. If there's been any lie that you think you've believed, if there's been anything on the inside that you know isn't from God, I want you, just as a sign of faith, I want you to just kind of hold your hands like this, like you're going to receive something. Like I'm handing you one of those Baptist casseroles. <laughs> just, just, I just want, I just want you to hold your hands, okay? Just, I just want to pray for you. By the authority... By the authority vested in me, by the creator of the universe, every person under the sound of my voice is blessed. I declare you're blessed with confidence as a child of God, approved and accepted by him. I declare you will delight yourself in the Lord in 2020 like never before as God puts new and big desires inside of you. I declare you're blessed with creativity, good ideas, godly friends, and a long healthy life. I declare that you are givers who enjoy being a blessing everywhere you go. 
In the name of Jesus, every curse and negative word that's ever been spoken over you is now broken and will have no effect on you or your future. I declare that you will experience a new sense of freedom, humility, and victory in your life. Solid Rock, I declare that you are blessed. And if you receive it, shout amen. 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 You're blessed. Amen. Music team, y'all can come on up. Prayer partners can come on down. I want to invite you just to bow your heads with me for a minute. I want to give the Holy Spirit a chance to speak to you. You know, I'm, the first step of inner healing is to get quiet and to get quiet with the Holy Spirit and to ask the Holy Spirit what life I believed. What happened in my childhood, in my past? What did someone say? What, at what point did I start looking to people as my source of confidence? At what point did I start looking to the world for my source of self-worth? At what point did I start looking to my own abilities to be successful? At what point did I start looking to my financial wisdom to be able to have money to pay bills and to be a blessing? At what point did I think my good deeds would earn me the favor of God? When did I believe the lie? And God, we just, I just ask the Holy Spirit to go back to that time because God's time doesn't operate like ours. He's eternal. He can go past, present, and future at any time. Lord, go back to that little child that was sexually abused. Go back to that child that lost their parent. Go back to that child whose dad never affirmed them. Go back to that child that told, was told they were ugly. Go back to that young adult that made that mistake. Go back to that young adult that started that addiction habit. Go back to that time, Lord, and heal them. Mend their heart. Let them know that even if their mother and father reject them, you have adopted them as your very own child. Go back and begin to heal these wounds. Help us forgive the people that walked out on us. Forgive the people that turned their back on us. Forgive the people that didn't approve of us. Lord, just pick that little child up off the ground and show that they can't even walk another step without you carrying them. Lord, go back to that time where that religious mindset got in, <laughs> where they thought that the only way that you would love them is if they did everything right. Go back to that lie that told them that if they have this particular lifestyle, they'll finally feel approved. But it's not a lifestyle that comes from the Word of God. We thank you, Lord, for your healing power. We thank you for your immeasurable goodness that leads us to repentance. And Lord, we just thank you for your presence in this place today. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. We're going to close with one more worship song. The altar is open if you need prayer down here or at the back. There's prayer partners. Come down for prayer. Let me say this. If you really believe what God's word says about prayer, if you really believe what his word says about prayer, you'll become what you believe. Visitors, I'd love to greet you in our fellowship hall after service. Thank you so much for coming today. God bless you. We're going to lead a worship song, and then we will dismiss you. Sunset's free.
next week.